1: to the Friday edition of the RotoWire Daily Fantasy Football podcast brought to you by FanDuel. It's Joe Bartle alongside me is uh my buddy, my pal, John. I I'm not going to say your last name again because I had deleted that before. This is <laughs>
2: it's been a long time since we've been able to do this together. It's been far too long, man. I've missed it. Um, I'm you know i'm bummed that that mr paul bruno is out this week but uh when i saw that you were going to be uh coming back on the podcast it uh you know it made my day so i'm very excited that uh they were getting getting the band back together a little bit at least for this week
1: reunited and it feels so good
2: that's literally all I know
1: from the rest of that song, but throughout the whole week, that's all I was thinking about that. I was just so jacked to be able to do this again with you, <laughs> do a podcast, uh, talking some football. We're finally into the season. No more preseason. No right. more projecting. We're literally seeing what's happening. We're literally seeing how bad the Texans stink. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, I mean, this. we're coming off a Thursday. Texans lost horribly to the Patriots, 27-0. I tuned in about halfway through. Um mm-hmm. So I was at the movie theater, actually. Ah. Enjoying, I actually enjoying...
2: saw a film last night as well. What did you guys see? Sully.
1: I went to see Sully.
2: Was it good? I liked it.
1: The fiance liked it more. Okay. Um, not to say I didn't like it. Just I just I knew kind of what I was expecting from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty good. What about you?
2: Uh, they were playing um, the nice guys over at over at like the Student Union, the Union South or whatever. It's a movie with uh, Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, set in the 70s. Uh, really well acted. I thought it was pretty funny, um, smart. uh, The plot itself was, you know, take it or leave it. You know, you just kind of needed Gosling and Crow to carry it, and they certainly did that. So I thought thought it was a fun movie to to go ahead and see. That's like an
1: action-packed one, right?
2: Yeah, there's a good bit of action. And uh there's just, you know, a lot of sassy stuff going on there and you know, pretty solid film overall, I'd say. All
1: right, we gotta stop talking about our movie choices, although I'd love to pick this up off of air, uh, and we can we could talk more about it. But let's let's just break down a little bit what happened with the the Patriots. This is a Texans horror game. film. Yeah. it really was. If we're talking movie references here, yeah, it was definitely a horror film. Like I said, I came in late for it, but I watched you know, third and fourth quarter and it continued to surprise me how much Bill Belichick can just own anybody. I I I heard this argument on the radio. I'm pretty sure it's ESPN guys. I'm blanking on who it is, but credit to ESPN. Would you rather have Bill Belichick for, on your favorite teams, the Ravens, or would you rather have Tom Brady Belichick. in their prime? Right. That's what I was thinking too. I I would. I think Belichick is by far the best coach. I don't think that's an, like anything crazy to say anymore. But what he can do and how he's able to adapt these strategies around any situation it's it's just incredible.
2: And I think like his sort of. Intimidation factor slash like Jedi mind trick capabilities. <laughs> I mean, I believe his uh, former assistants are like winless against him or close to it. Maybe maybe Mangini got a win off of him once or something. But I mean, in general, he owns his former assistants. And you know, for for Bill O'Brien to come into to uh, Gillette last night with a team that's. Off to a great start. You know, Osweiler's looking like a pretty shrewd pickup for them. Uh, Hopkins obviously looks great. Will Fuller, one of the better rookie wide receivers. And, of course, you have that defense. And for them to go in there against a really beleaguered Patriots team and just lay an egg, you know, a la kind of how I felt like the Cardinals a little bit laid an egg against the Patriots on on that opening Sunday night where, you know, it's like you have the Patriots theoretically on the mat and you just let them off the hook. And it's, I mean, it's just embarrassing. Like the way that Belichick is able to just coach circles around uh, his competition uh, is is mind boggling to me.
1: The only time the Texans had the Patriots on the mat was when the game started in the very beginning of the first quarter. Like it, it never felt like it was a contest. Just looking back through the box scores and stuff, it never felt like the Texans had much of a shot after they got ahead early. Like that was that kickoff fumble recovery for the Patriots, which was a great challenge play by Bill. And then it just, it all tumbled from there. When you have three turnovers to none, I mean, that's, that's a big difference in a game, but it shouldn't have been a 27 to nothing difference. I was watching that fourth quarter, hoping and praying that the Texans would do something, anything, like just move the ball. And Brock was just check down, check down, check down, check down. I don't know why quarterbacks just don't take more deep shots in those situations uh, when they're when they're down by so many points. I think obviously you're playing back a little bit, but you're telling me you just you wouldn't force a ball or two to DeAndre Hopkins, one of the top three receivers in that. Yeah, NFL? just throw it in his direction. I, I don't know, like he's probably going to catch it. I think Ryan Griffin, who had I pretty sure approximately twenty-seven targets that game, and all were in the third and fourth quarter. Probably got tired of catching the ball. I, Lamar Miller. <laughs> His hands are sore. I saw Lamar Miller just jog off to the side for a route, and Brock th- threw the ball, and I thought it was like a, a two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum where he he like batted the ball away. <laughs> he like left hand bats the ball away, and there's no one around him. It's like Lamar's nah, I don't want the ball. I I don't know why you don't throw down field more, but this is more just to the Patriots' brilliance. I mean. We already knew this coming in, but even more confirmation coming out of that game. I just don't know how you stop the Patriots. Maybe it's with uh Edelman at quarterback. Maybe that's the only way to stop them.
2: yeah, I mean, at this point, uh it seems that way, and obviously we're recording here you know Friday afternoon, and we, the news has come across uh, throughout the day sort of some mixed. Uh, messages being sent about the severity of it, but seems like Jacoby Bursett is dealing with an either severely sprained uh, right thumb ligament so his throwing hand or or a torn one. Uh, initial reports indicated that he was going to need surgery now it's Rapaport is is tweeting out that you know he might not, so we 're going to have to see what happens there, but obviously uh, the Patriots still have one more game to go before Brady gets back, so they need a bridge to get there. Uh, maybe Edelman does have to play quarterback next week, especially if Garoppolo's shoulder uh, is still a little bit messed up. I mean, they
1: are talking about Garoppolo coming back, and he was so amazing those those first two games before he got injured, well, a game and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. that it would be you'd almost feel confident that even with a bum shoulder, he could be able to handle things effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but who's to say that? Edelman couldn't be... Is that crazy to think that Edelman could beat the Buffalo Bills? And that's not really a knock on the Bills? Well, it kind of is. A little bit. Yeah. It's more just, I just really believe in Bill Belichick and the Patriots and that defense. I mean, Jamie Collins, I thought, was amazing that game. He was a great lockdown linebacker. Like... When when have we had a lockdown linebacker? I what, yeah, that is pretty what unbelievable. term is that? It's like the Patriots just made that up. That's just how good they are.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean like the, their their ability to to you know evaluate talent and kind of get guys uh that, that everyone else is sort of or as as Mike Doria says, they they zig when everyone expects them to zag and it always seems to work out for them. Obviously Jamie Collins, uh, an excellent example of that. I thought uh Jabal Sheard has always been a really shrewd pickup. For them, you know, the former uh, Cleveland Brown, obviously they got Chris Long as well, too, to uh, kind of counterbalance the loss of, of Chandler Jones. I mean, just really smart pickups across the board, of, you know, for their front seven. So it, it's really hard to bet against that defense and, and you know, a Belichick coached offense as well.
1: I'm curious to hear your opinion on this before we move into the kickers. Will Fuller has been a a guy for the Texans that's been really their most dynamic offensive weapon. Uh, Most people are matching up on DeAndre Hopkins or Lamar Miller, and you see Will Mm -hmm. Fuller getting these opportunities in one-on-one situations. I did not like him coming into this. We had our podcast before when we talked rookie receivers. Will Fuller was never really on my radar. He was more Mm -hmm. of a guy I added just because, okay, first-round talent. You might figure they'll factor him in the offense. But he's done some amazing things so far. Last night, I was watching him he still was catching passes with his body. Like, the, that the motion, how he's doing, is not any different. He dropped a few because of that. Yep. Is that somebody that you want to have looking at your DFS rosters for future weeks or even season-long stuff? That, Or would you try to move someone like Fuller?
2: I think that there's, um, you know, there's a lot of debate on, on this issue because it comes up with Amari Cooper a lot, too, the, the drop factor. And I think, especially with, with Fuller... I don't really see how it's ever really going to change. Like if he's really still just body catching, never really going out, reaching out, full extension, and grabbing it with his hands. I mean, I just don't really see him, you know, changing his biomechanics like that. But the thing about Will Fuller is he's he is going to catch, you know, more than fifty percent of the passes that are that you know hit him in the hands, and he's faster than pretty much everybody else. So you're betting on him just being able to to haul in, you know, five, six, seven. Of his targets, you know, hopefully he gets like 10, 10 or so targets, and uh, I mean, he's just faster than, than everybody. I mean, you saw it in, in, I believe, week one, you know, he caught that short pass, and he's just gliding into the end zone. I mean, he's just, the speed factor with him is too much to where you can uh, completely, you know, leave him off your radar.
1: He always looked like a guy that was too fast for college, but I didn't think that would translate to the NFL because everyone's fast in the NFL. Sure. But now when we're watching him live and playing against you know, elite talent, he reminds me a little bit of Deshaun Jackson in that sense that just yeah. you can't ever touch Deshaun. I think Deshaun probably is faster because um, there's still spurts even at his age right now that he can just run and you're like, how does he get that open? <laughs> right. He's not that good. How does he get that open? Um, but I think Will Fuller could develop into that. That being said... Deshaun Jackson, if that's our comparison, was never a great DFS option. He's a guy that I would throw in thinking, okay, this is either going to be a real hit-or-miss lineup or, well, actually, really, that's it. It's going to be hit-or-miss. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I would feel confident always putting in Fuller or something like that, whereas, you know, you could slot in Antonio Brown or Kelvin Benjamin. I know prices are completely different. But sure you could feel confident with those guys. I don't know if we'll ever get to that point with Fuller.
2: Right. You know, you you are going to have to kind of take your lumps. I think with that, I think the Deshaun Jackson comp is great. Deshaun Jackson, I think, is a guy that uh, we mentioned in like a best ball format is like totally money in that situation because, you know, on the on those, you know, few weeks of season where he's where he has like two really long touchdowns, you know, that that helps you cruise. But there are those other weeks where he's just, you know, completely a non-factor and, uh, you know, just by his own skill set limitations, it makes him difficult to, to project with consistency. But you know that he always has that potential to have a big game.
1: I didn't even think about the money ball factor. That's a good point. All right, well, moving on past uh, Will Fuller and the Texans' horribleness, uh, we got the kickers. We're going to go over some of the DFS kicker options for us. Looking at the RotoWire value report, we have Josh Brown, who's at 4,700. He's going to be facing the Washington Redskins. He's projected to get 12 points. We also got Adam Vinatieri, 4,700, facing the Chajas for 12 points. Goal and then, charges, goal. Yeah. Mike Nugent, 4,600. Uh, he's going to be facing the Denver Broncos again for 12 points. So of those three, Nugent's obviously the slightly more valuable, if you want to call it for a kicker uh, option. Then we round it out. Jason Myers and Justin Tucker, 4,500 and 4,800 respectively. They're looking at 11 and 10 points. So uh, the value report per Roto-Wire says Nugent is your most valuable kicker this week. Is that someone you actually think is the most valuable kicker?
2: Well, you know kind of going off of w- off of what I noticed last week when we started really kind of integrating kickers into this podcast, um, they had goskowski far and away the the highest projected uh, point total from a kicker he he was projected to get like seventeen obviously he didn't get anywhere close to that um, so sometimes it's just you know it 's not a matter of the projections being being off I mean the reasoning is sound and you know the math is sound it 's just a matter of. You know, sometimes you just can't really predict how many opportunities a guy's going to get. So you just kind of had to hope, uh, you know, based on based on matchups that, you know, the team can have a few drives, to sputter out or something so you can get them into field goal range. So this week, you know, we don't have a guy like Steven Hauschka, who's the highest priced option for Sunday uh, at fifty one hundred. We don't have him as as the most valuable guy. And I don't think we have him really that close to uh being even at the top of the point total, I mean we have meant like eight projected points. So I think it's a good idea to sort of go with a mid tier option. You don't really want to wanna necessarily go chalk chalk according to salary when it comes to your kicker. So I think Nugent I mean you have the you have the matchup against the Broncos where since he might have trouble punching it in and that might result in in a lot of field goal opportunities for Mike Nugent. So I could see where he is the he has the most value potential here.
1: Here's my concern: is that okay? You you mentioned Cincinnati might not be able to punch in. I don't know if they're going to punch it past the fifty. Like see, okay, the Broncos' defense is just so good, and I really thought that it was going to fall apart a little bit last year with Malik Jackson gone, uh, Jarrell Freeman leaving for the the Bronco, I'm sorry, leaving for the Bears from the Broncos. I just thought that there would, we'd see a little bit, you know. Leaving of that stuff. I'm sorry, it was Danny Trevathan. That yes, yes, got caught by on myself on that one. I, I hate the Bears. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think that we could see Nugent get some opportunities, especially in the the Mile High Stadium. You could see longer field goals be able to be attempted. But are we really sure that he's going to have opportunities? And that's where I'm just like, oh gosh, I don't know. For 4600, I mean, that's it's certainly a gamble that's willing you can handle. Like that's sure closest. That's this 100 lowest uh, or 100 closest to the lowest. Man, I could not have worded that any stupider. Um, (laughs) But I'm looking at a guy like Josh Lambeau. So he is the bottom barrel of kickers, 4,500 this week. They're facing the Colts, and we're going to get to this in a little bit when we go through our lineups, at least on myself. The Chargers' offense is very dynamic. Um, They have been for years. This is nothing new. Even with Danny Woodhead gone, Keenan Allen gone, Brandon Oliver gone I can keep going actually Gates uh, I, might be gone Well he I think he is I think he's been ruled out Oh jeez So I mean I mean that's not I was just naming people who are on the IR mm-hmm. on IR not not like just people ruled out So True. even with that I think the Chargers could have a shot uh to do real damage more cuz the Colts defense is just that bad
2: That that's a very good point I think uh, you know he's going to get some serious like some serious extra point opportunities uh, you know I think last week sort of reaffirmed uh our hopes, and, and, you know, if you have shares of Phillip Rivers, per se, um, that that offense can keep it going, even, even you know, without the guys that, uh, you know, were going the first five, six, you know, Keenan Allen third-round draft pick usually in, uh, in most fantasy leagues, and they still just kept it humming, you know, like Travis Benjamin, uh, Melvin Gordon, obviously kind of having a breakout season. So you, you do really like to get a piece of, of that Chargers action, especially in this week's matchup.
1: Here's the other thing. I think it's in Indianapolis, so you're going to have the Dome, the dome. The advantage nice. to advantage too. I think there's going to be a lot of weather problems just throughout uh, a lot of these games on Sunday. Maybe not Monday. Obviously, that's the, the Saints and Falcons, which is a, going to be a Dome game. But I think that weather's going to play an issue. And when I'm looking at a kicker, I just want somebody I know is going to have opportunities to score. So maybe not Nugent, maybe Nugent, we don't know. But I know that Lamb was going to have opportunities to score, and it's going to be an environment where he's going to have a chance to succeed. That's that's the way I look at. It.
2: That's a that's a great way of looking at it. I think you've kind of had me sold on him, actually. So, oh, good. I'm, I'm
1: glad we can stop. Have that a in believer. <laughs> All right, before we go into our lines for the weekend, let's take uh, a word from our sponsors first. From Fanduel, fantasy football fans, the wait is over. Football is back. Which means FanDuel is back, and this year it's better than ever. It's not just a new season at FanDuel, it's a new era. They've upgraded your entire experience with real improvements for everyday fans. And they believe you desire to experience everything sports has to offer, which makes you sports rich. Try the new FanDuel now. Just pick your team, stay under the salary cap, and have all the fun that fantasy has to offer. New to the game? Play in a beginner contest to learn the ropes if you have a dollar. There are games for $1, a dollar. There's game for fifty cents. I mean, well, actually, not true. But you got plenty of opportunities. There's fifty-fifty contests where the top half win uh, cash, or you can settle a score with a friend in Fanduel's brand new friends mode. It's season-long fantasy football with weekly teams. Plus, new features ensure a fair and level playing field. How about how do you feel about the Fanduel experience so far? This is the new era, John.
2: I'm really enjoying it thus far. Um, you know, especially I, I really like our, our roto wire uh, kind of in-house competition that we have every week uh, i i was able to kind of uh sneak into the top 10 last week it it was a really slow start for me uh but the sunday night game kind of helped me uh get to where i needed to be but i think uh something that uh, that i'll talk about uh when we get into our lineups is just the fact that sometimes those really tantalizing matchups can burn you it, you know because everyone and their mother was in on the Saints Giants right, last week. Right. I mean, am I wrong? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone wanted a piece of it. Everyone thought that, you know, for whatever reason, that the Saints were gonna were gonna torch uh, the Giants. But you know, the fact of the matter was, and I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, the Giants really did open their pocketbooks. And they were able to really stack up on defense, and I think their defense is is one of the more improved units across football. So I stayed off the Saints, but at the, by the same token, I was like, okay, let's get in on the Giants, let's get some Eli Manning, let's pay up for OBJ. Didn't really work out for me, so I'm I'm a little bit you know concerned about uh, you know obviously this week the Saints game is the most high or the highest over under, but we're gonna stay off that because it's a Monday nighter. Um, we're gonna be st- Focusing mostly on Sunday, but uh, for me, uh, I think you got to l- dig a little bit deeper into seeing the over/unders. It might not be the most obvious of choices. Uh, I think that's a good way to separate yourselves, especially in tournament play.
1: I think from I've just been riding the Chargers for the most part. Like Smart. I thought that was the one thing that okay, we don't know uh, last year to this year very much. Like it's tough to translate that stuff, but we knew right away from the beginning, or for the most part, okay, Keenan Allen's gone. We have seen this before last year. All right, Danny Woodhead is gone. We have seen this before for the most part. Like it, he has been hit or miss in the health stuff for a little while. Right. So, we knew what we could get even with those guys gone. And I was like, okay, let's let's ride Philip Rivers. I haven't been on the Gordon train as much as I should have been. Surprise. Um, yeah. But I you know, Travis Benjamin, things like that, that's the people I've been targeting. And it's really paid off. Going back to FanDuel, I just I like how clean the site is and I know that's that's a silly thing to say, but to me, it just operates smoothly, and it's been my go-to DFS uh, site for the longest time now, just for that exact reason.
2: Yeah, huge fan. I think like the, the all the upgrades that they've made, uh, I really like the the upgrades they've made to the app, too. I think the app runs incredibly smoothly. I always have an easy time. Uh, if I'm like out on a Sunday morning and I need to make a lineup uh, pretty quick, you know, I'm able to get on my phone and... Uh, you know, toss one together very quickly, and it, it always you know like works out really well. Um, so before we get back into our lineups here, uh, we want to remind you from Fanduel to have all the fun that fantasy football has to offer. Have all the fantasy football has to offer. Fanduel, be sports rich. Special offer for new users: get a free six month Rotowire subscription with a ten dollar deposit on Fanduel. Go to Fanduel dot com slash rw. Not only will you get a free subscription. But you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, so getting into the meat of the podcast here, we got our lineups. We're going to be, you know, chalk- talking it up. Uh, I'm starting off with the quarterback. Um, my pick this week is Marcus Mariota. I like his price. He's at seventy seven hundred. So, you know, you're you're saving a bit of coin there, uh that you know, you'll be able to to pay up later for for other positions. And I really like this matchup, you know. Like I said, the Falcons Saints highest over-under, but you know, the this uh Raiders Titans game is uh pretty close there as well. I think it's you know, somewhere in like around forty-seven. Uh, so that's one of the higher uh projected over-unders and Oakland for as many names as they have on their defense, they've been—they haven't really gelled yet, in my opinion. And I think this is a week where, where Mariota can really uh, sort of take advantage of that because Oakland has—they're uh, ranked 29th in uh, Football Outsiders DVOA metric, um, you, you know, so that's obviously uh, a red flag as far as how they're playing on defense. Um, so Mariota. He's got that matchup. He's really starting to click with his with his sort of new and improved receiving core. I think this is a matchup uh that to definitely take advantage of here. So 7700 Mariota.
1: It's just so surprising that the Raiders defense has struggled as much as it has. I mean, I they we talked about the Giants this before how they invested into their defense and I mean, you could have said the same thing happened with the Raiders. They they made huge moves. They had Sean Smith come in. They had mm-hmm. they have Khalil Mack developing more. But they drafted the safety in the first round. To me, yeah. Well, and then they also signed the linebacker, who I'm uh, blanking Bruce on. The outside. yeah, yeah, from the Seahawks. And while none of those moves really like tipped the radar. Oh, that's not a right phrase, but that moved the radar closer. I still don't think that's a right phrase. But in my <laughs> mind, th- those things never really made that big of a difference. And I guess you're seeing it now. I just would have thought that the overall development of the Raiders defense would have happened by this point. I mean, it's early in the season. Maybe they get better. The AFC West, it's a tough division. I'm a little worried because people had the Raiders uh, projected to be a playoff team this year. And, While we've seen the offense develop a little bit more, the defense just has not been there.
2: No, it really hasn't. And, you know, obviously they they have played two pretty high-powered offenses. You know, like, you know, going to to New Orleans, playing in the Dome, that's always a recipe for disaster for your defense. But it was surprising uh, to see the Falcons, who uh, struggled a little bit week one, kind of just come out to the West Coast and, you know, put it on them last week. You know, obviously that's a Julio Jones, you know, Problem that your defense is going to have, but in general, you I was surprised that just uh, they've been giving up, they've just been hemorrhaging points so far. So who you got at quarterback? Well, my
1: quarterback. Um, this probably isn't a surprise, just because we were talking about before. Philip Rivers. He's at eight thousand right now. Um, I think he's a top ten quarterback price wise, but honestly, I'm I'm willing to pay up for that. I think that we're looking at the other QB options, and while they're studs, there's I can find plenty of cheap running backs at this point. So I want a stable quarterback. I'm not thinking Phillip can replicate what he did last week where he had four touchdowns and you know 220 yards against the Jaguars who, boy, that's a whole podcast in itself, what's happened to them. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I don't think he can replicate that. But what I do think he can do is is get the yardage. So just looking at week one, Stafford threw 340 yards and three touchdowns against the Colts, and that was who charged the plane this week. So right. 340 yards, Stafford, okay, fine. Lions throw a lot, okay. No Calvin Johnson. we got to figure something else. Just throw, okay. Week two... Trevor, I'm not sure he's very good, Simeon, threw for 266 yards against the Colts. And that ended up being a
2: high-scoring game thanks to the Denver defense. That's a lot for Trevor Simeon. Like, but, I don't even know how many times he reached that in college.
1: Uh, right. I, that's just what I'm saying. Like, okay, that's when it becomes a problem for me. And like, all right, Colts defense, we have something to figure out. Oh, and by the way, they've lost approximately 17 defensive backs uh, within the yes. last two weeks. Yeah, I don't exaggerate ever on this podcast. Uh, so <laughs> 17 defensive backs. Who's, who's stopping Philip Rivers? Who, who on that defense is stopping him? We don't have Vontae Davis back. Exactly. I I really can't name anybody else. Robert Mathis? Like, I mean, pass rush-wise, I just think that Philip Rivers is able to sit back in the pocket, throw to his targets, whether it be Travis Benjamin, whether it be Tyler, uh, Tyrell Williams, whether it be Hunter Henry, which is Ooh. kind of a sleeper name in there Ooh, for me. Hello. I, I think that uh, the Chargers are going to, carve him up I'm not sure he gets four touchdowns but I bet she gets over three hundred yards and he's going to easily beat his mark of, or her season yard mark of two forty
2: three yeah it's it sort of getting the early season feel that that the Indianapolis defense is almost like in baseball going against uh like the Rockies pitchers when they're at Coors field. It just feels like there's just always going to be a lot of points to be had. So it's never a bad idea to to load up against them.
1: You know, it actually might be, to compare a football reference, it's like the, the New Orleans Saints light a little bit. Like sure. A, I mean, the Saints defense is atrocious for go, going on 10 years now. Again, yeah. No exaggeration that we do in this podcast. Can't,
2: can't believe that Rob Ryan couldn't turn it around there. That's shocking
1: to me. Uh, yeah, but like I I just think that the Colts are probably going to be one of those teams that I target quite often, uh, and it just so happens I like Phillip Rivers this week. I also like Dak Prescott at 7,100. Like, if I like we're that, gonna, too. If we're going to look at lower price quarterback options, and again, there's a lot of nice running backs lower on that. I don't think you need to do that, but if we're going to look at lower price QB options, I think Dak Prescott for 7,100 ends up being a, a decent deal against the Bears, and we all know how bad the Bears are.
2: Yep, and the Bears, you know, like you said about Indianapolis, uh, they just lost everybody on on Monday night. That was a brutal game to watch. Just from you know, because you, you already, I know you, you have no mercy on the Bears, but as a, as a <laughs> sort of neutral guy, uh, when it comes to Chicago sports. You know, just like, they're already going to be bad. You can't just have them losing guys left and right like this. It was brutal to watch.
1: I mean, they made Carson Wentz look like a stud. And while I thought he was the better of the two quarterbacks, hashtag Jared Goff is a backup quarterback. Yeah, um, oh, big news. I, yeah, I, I don't think Wentz is that good right now to start out. And I guess that's what he get. Uh, I'm just going to move on to my running backs right away, and we can bump over to yours. Sure. So my first one, I think we'll just do a, a tag team. We'll go back and forth. My first one, sorry, I'm going to give you two options again because I just it seemed too nice for me. So we have Jai at 5,700 against the, the Cleveland Browns, and then we have Gio Bernard against the Broncos at 5,900. So... Like I was saying earlier with Josh Lambo talking about the kickers, I think that weather is going to play a big deal. I went and looked at the weather uh, of the Cleveland Miami matchup. It's in Miami, and it's projected to be thunderstorms during that time. Ooh. It's also projected to be thunderstorms all weekend. Okay, I just think that the weather is going to play a huge factor with the Browns starting their third string quarterback and Cody Kessler, and the That's Dolphins, such a problem. you know, not doing that much. Uh, offensively during the first half of that Patriots game, I think they take it slow. And whether it ends up being a Jai or, or Keenan Drake, I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I just think I want a share of a running back in that game. And Crowell is like a top four running back overall price-wise. So I just didn't want to go there. And I think the weather-wise is going to make it a place where a Jai is going to do well. Same with Gio Bernard. Well, I guess not weather, but I think that Again, Bengals not going to do that well against the Broncos in my mind. Right. So we're going to have a lot of check down passes. We're going to see a lot of throws underneath. We're going to see Geo pick up maybe 10 targets
2: and I'd love to see that in like a half point PPR format like this.
1: Right. I don't know if he gets 100 yards like he did last week against the Steelers. I don't know if he gets a touchdown, but like if we're talking about just building a consistent lineup, to me getting Gio Bernard for, you know, 10 15 points at 5900 seems like a steal at that price.
2: I like that too and uh that definitely makes me feel better about maybe trying to start him in in a couple of my season longs where I where I have him uh stashed and left him on the bench like an idiot last week.
1: Yeah, well, I did too. And that that's not anyone's fault. Like I just you never really know. I, this this feels like one of those Gio Bernard games. I like that. And we're going to have those. That's how it is. I, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on Ajayi, though. Like, I feel like I'm going on a limb because everyone seems to be leaning towards Drake. I think, I think
2: uh, Miami's coaching staff feels like Drake is a is a fine player to have in that organization. But at the same time, he's probably more of a situational guy, more than like a, a bell cow. You know, even even with Foster down, um, and Ajayi probably not being your prototypical bell cow in his own right, but I think that Drake is just sort of like a more versatile guy that isn't necessarily going to be get you know getting the ball, carrying the load first, second, and third down uh, the way that I could potentially at least see Ajayi doing it. So I, I'm not in on Kenyon Drake. I think I've said that uh, several times before on the podcast, and uh, I just think he's like a great athlete good like special teams player good guy to have but i i I think that ajayi would be the the miami running back to use this week at least
1: i I just think with the weather factor in there and and maybe it doesn't rain but i still think that they end up being they going ground heavy for most of it and i think they get ahead early and just keep pounding away in that browns defense that is just they might be one of the worst teams uh yeah you know to play in the last 10 15 years and i feel bad because i love what the browns strategy is just accumulate draft picks and, and see if we can hit but that means that this team is not going to be very good, and we're seeing that right now on the field.
2: Yep, yep, we're we're definitely going to see uh, a lot of those high draft picks again uh, this time around. Uh, my running back, uh, my first one, uh, Theo Riddick. So kind of with you on going going the cheap route. Uh, he's sixty four hundred going against your Packers. So I know you probably uh, hate this pick already. Uh, but Amir Abdullah uh, hit an IR. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are assuming that Dwayne Washington is the guy, but like Riddick has a proven track record. It's not like he's going to lose a ton of snaps just because Abdullah is out and this rookie uh, from Washington is going to be in. I think Riddick t- sees the majority of the snaps on Sunday. I, I think it's possible that Washington down the line, uh, he does have this insane athletic profile. I know that Mario's like been like on him for a while, but... I think uh, this week, Riddick is is my guy to use as sort of your mid to low price uh, running back option. I like the matchup okay. I know that the Packers uh, have been really good against the run pretty much uh, to start the season. You know, holding Yeldon to under two yards a carry. I'm not sure how big of an accomplishment that is, though. In in hindsight, it seems like everyone can do that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, uh, holding AP in check last week until he got hurt, Um, but Riddick, different skill set. Uh, He's a guy that can catch the ball. uh, And, you know, you definitely like that in this format that that rewards uh, your running backs for catching it. So Riddick, uh, he's my RB1 uh, for for my lineup at 6,400.
1: Okay, so I have a lot of points with this. And I'm going to first start by saying I agree with you that I think this is a good option. One, I'm going to this game, um, so I am fully oh, no ex- Yeah, I'm fully expecting Theo Riddick to drop at least 30 fantasy points on, whether it be a regular, you know, standard league or DFS. Oh, I fully expect that. But when, when we had that Minnesota Packers matchup last week, you're going to laugh. The running back I was more afraid of was actually Jarek McKinnon. Like, I just thought we knew what we're going to get with Adrian Peterson. Sure. We're going to run right up Seen the middle. We, we know how to stop that, but we've we and I say we as a Packer fan, so yes, make fun of me whenever you want. Twitter, jbfantasysports.com. com. <laughs> um Yeah, I I was afraid of Jared McKinnon because the Packers have always had struggles uh, stopping those those scat back, mm-hmm. those receiving type of threats, and that's exactly what Theoretic is. I mean, they've shown that they can spread him out and he can make plays against linebackers, against you know, overmatched defensive backs or safeties. Right. And that's exactly what the Packers are gonna do. I can I can see it now. Okay, so we're gonna be up twenty seven twenty three, be like fourth quarter quarter six minutes left and it's going to be around the 35 yard line and they're going to slide riddick out to the left side he's going to run across the middle and he's going to have carl bradford or like uh jake ryan covering him and he's going to get 12 yards in the play and that'll be his 13 catch of the game that i i can foresee that happening because as a packer fan i am doomed to watch <laughs> little tiny backs get so many fancy points I really think that Theoretic does it well. I'm hoping not. Again, I'm going to the game, hoping sure. not, but I'm I'm expecting that to be the case.
2: All right, awesome. I definitely feel a little bit better about that pick now, but I was already pretty stoked on it. Um, <laughs> who's your second running back? Okay,
1: so I, I feel like I'm cheaping out on this because I'm getting so many options. So oh, no, you're good. It, when I was putting this together, I looked at Charles Sims at 5700 again was another really great matchup for me. I thought he's going to get a ton of catches. And when I'm putting together the lineup, I'm not so much basing off the potential. Maybe I should be, but I'm more uh, basing off of, okay, this is how many things he's going to get, this is how many opportunities he's going to get. Exactly. And with Doug Martin out, I think even with the Rams defense, you, you're you going to find Sims getting the ball in all sorts of ways, whether it be running, whether it be uh, receiving, I could like a trick play kind of thing where he does like a, a reverse. I could see all that stuff. Sure. I, I think that you have to throw up the Rams defense throw off the Rams' defense a little bit, and this would be a way to do it uh, through a couple of trick plays and screen passes. I think that people are going to be scared off seeing Rams' defense and maybe not play Sims, and I'm saying that's just wrong. I, I don't know if the the Rams' offense can get more than 20 points No, in a, any game this year, so this is going to be kind of who gets 21, and I think that that makes it for more running opportunities. Um and I think Sims is a good shot with that. That being said, when I was putting together this lineup, the running backs came first, uh, and then I put everything else together. Had a lot of money left over, so I did bump up to Zeke Elliott. I really think that he's going to have a good uh, good week again. Like we were talking Dak Prescott yes. against the Bears. I just I'll go with the money in that. At some point, he's got to explode,
2: right? I think I think if you're going among the higher tier uh, running backs, I was talking with uh, Jake Litarski about. Uh, running backs earlier this week I think Zeke was definitely one of our favorite uh, guys that are that are priced north of 8,000 so definitely like that play going against the Bears we saw Ryan Matthews I mean a little bit bottled up last week um, but he was able to you know hit Pater twice
1: right and it's not even just Ryan Matthews but like Sproles was owning it up too and they had doing a little a little things around there I just I think that they're going to end up using Zeke I wouldn't be surprised if Alfred Morris ends up getting a touchdown again like He's not a vulture, but, like, I don't know what else just kind of hovers around. Maybe they just deployed him because he that... was, like,
2: going against uh, Washington, just wanting a little revenge <laughs> that... action.
1: What's that fish that attaches to the sharks? Uh... Like a lamprey-type deal? Yeah, well, it just, like, it kind of – it just, like, gets – Gets the extra little minerals. I looking. know exactly what I you're talking about. I can see Alfred Morris being that kind He's of like guy. He's a
2: barnacle. <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll call it. that's actually a really good nickname for him. Just in general, the barnacle. <laughs> the, barnacle. The, barnacle. <laughs> the barnacle. Look at us; we're developing things all the time. This is great innovation. That's
0: all right, true. who do you
1: got as your uh, starting receiver for your lineup? Your one one right receiver.
2: Okay. Uh, One last running back that I'm tossing out there. I
1: I just was really excited for the receiver.
2: It's all good, and we're going to get back to Dallas in like two seconds. But (laughs) uh, uh, DeMarco Murray, uh, 7,700, so a little expensive, but I really like that Titans matchup. I'm I'm completely in on the Aloha uh, ground-and-pound type deal that they got going on. Uh, so, count me in for DeMarco Murray against uh, a run defense that's been giving up some points. And Murray also uh, has that pass catching ability that I think is a little bit underrated, actually. He caught like all seven of his targets last week. Um, as far as receivers go, definitely love paying up for him. Uh, starting off with Dez going against Chicago, I think that's a an almost no brainer to me. I think Dak's only getting better. Uh, you know, everyone that panicked about what happened in week one uh, hopefully was able to be. Uh, Pacified by what happened last week, you know where he was getting targeted more, you know making more plays. Um, I think this this week, uh, not only does he make more plays again, I think he reaches the end zone as well against a really banged up uh, Bears secondary that, like we said, made Carson Wentz look like a world beater.
1: You're talking, you were just talking before like you're neutral with the Bears, but we're kind of getting to be really mean against them right now. I'm
2: I'm sorry, like it's nothing personal. (laughs) It's just like your team is really bad right now. Um, I really think that you know
1: Dez scores. Um, I think that, or Dez could score at least. I we talked about Dak being good. Um, I didn't know whether Dez or Zeke would be the better play for me, and that's one of those things where, okay, how much fantasy points can can one offense get if you jump ahead by so much? Like the Cowboys are projected to do, what we're thinking they're going to do. With, you know, whatever quarterback the Bears end up throwing out there after Jay Cutler got hurt, what are we supposed to, you know, what are we supposed to expect with that offense? I think Dez is going to do great, but I would rather do Zeke than Dez in that option because I think that Zeke's going to get more opportunities because they're just going to get ahead.
2: Right, yeah, they're, you know, second half, you know, we might we might run into trouble where Dez, like, only sees a few targets because, I mean, the, the Cowboys are just, just running it, just running the clock out. So definitely see what you're saying there. Uh, second receiver, um, I'm going to go with Larry Fitzgerald. It seems like he's kind of having a renaissance. It seems like he's kind of having, or he's Carson Palmer's guy right now, more so than a guy like Michael Floyd or John Brown. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna roll with Fitz here, and obviously we saw what happened uh, last Thursday night against the the Buffalo defense, uh, who just you know had their uh, <laughs> they got destroyed. Yeah, I mean that was just <laughs> ugly. And uh, it, you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think you know somebody on Twitter said it perfectly. Ryan Fitzpatrick was just making heat check throws. Like, I was just, just
1: listening to this podcast before we were talking about that. Yes. He was
0: he was it was heat check the whole time. It was
2: hilarious. He's just like, you know what? All right, here we go. Deckers, uh, uh Inunua, uh Brandon Marshall with your knee that spun around and you still kept it on somehow. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, Fitz, he's gonna he's gonna hit those, you know, intermediate to deep routes, and I think Palmer's gonna be able to slice and dice. And I think that, you know, Fitzgerald obviously is the primary uh benefactor of that. So Rolling with him, seventy six hundred, not too bad. And then rounding out my receiving core, I like Sterling Shepard. Uh, you know, if if Washington makes good on their threat of be, of just sort of getting peer pressured into changing their uh, what they had in mind for Josh Norman, where they're just going to have him do one half of the field, and they're going to have him actually shadow OBJ. That just means that you know Shepard doesn't have to go against. Uh, Josh Norman, so he get he gets Breland, uh, who's a fine player. And Anto- I think he gets a bad rap because Antonio Brown just absolutely massacred him on national television. <laughs> mm-hmm. but that happens, you know. I, I can't blame the guy, but uh, I think Shepard, he's just been outperforming his his uh, projected value all season long or all two games amazing um but you know <laughs> as a as a rookie you know you like to see that um and he's only 6500 so you're really saving some coin there and i think that's going to be a pretty high scoring game i think the giants are going to be able to put up some points on the redskins who are looking like they are starting to flounder
1: we're talking about saving coin like i'm stunned that fitzgerald is at 7600 like when we when i was going over this earlier this week i just was shocked i thought at the very least he'd be in the 80 like 8000s 8, like i just that's where I thought he would. that would be his natural progression point for yeah. where this would go. So 7,600 to me feels like a steal. I just personally am going against him in so many other leagues that I did not want to root for him. Otherwise, I thought that was a great move. And I, I also agree with Sterling Shepard. Whether whether Norman covers him or not, I just think there's going to be enough throwing opportunities from the Giants that, you know, for 6,500, that's, that's a great price. You could even look like someone, Mr. Salsa, Victor Cruz, that yeah. maybe he gets some opportunities uh, to catch it. They're not looking at the tight end. They look at Shane Vereen when Rashad Jennings is hurt, so they will look at Shane Vereen a lot. Exactly, um, but I, so I Rashad think,
2: Jennings already. Hurt. Yep,
1: yep, yep. Great. That's, I see that you got my joke. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think that Shepard is probably a good person to look at too. When I was going through my receivers, um, again I, we had gotten cheap with the running backs, and I had I felt pretty cheap at least in the quarterback. So I, I felt like a pay up for the receiver. Um, my plan, and you're going to laugh at this, I hope. Maybe not. Uh, I really, really wanted to do a double Benjamin combo. I wanted to get some Travis Benjamin and Kelvin Benjamin together. I like that. If only because it would be fun to just yell, Double Benjamins!
2: just Double barrel Benjamin, man. Just
1: kind of like whenever I was yelling at my you know, FanDuel app and not doing well. Double Benjamins. Anyway, didn't end up working out. Uh, so I am going to stick with Travis Benjamin. Again, we've talked about this oh, quite a bit. Think that the Chargers' offense is going to do really well against the Colts, uh, and I think Travis is the main main guy. So partnering up a quarterback with a receiver, this is this is nothing new for you guys, right? Um, the receiver I used instead of Calvin Benjamin, Amari Cooper, for the same reason that you're talking about with Marcus Mariota. I really think that. It's going to be a throwing game for Derek mm-hmm. Carr. And I think, okay, I want Cooper as my my top target. At some point, he's got to score a touchdown. I don't think he scored week one. I know he didn't score week two. I think this is the week that he scores a touchdown. And I'm happy to pay the 7,700. Although, if I'm being honest, I would probably rather have Fitz in the situation. You know, 77, 76. Yeah. Rather have Fitz. Just didn't want to root for him there. I think Cooper's a great option. Definitely. I did pay it for Antonio Brown. And I guess you can call it the, uh, the law of averages. But I think Brown rebounds in a big way. I'm hoping the high price tag or the poor performance against the Bengals kind of scares some people off and they don't want to use him. Uh, I'm not afraid to bet on it. I think that Brown's obviously an elite receiver, probably the best receiver in the NFL. Yep. Um, uh, I'm fine ro- rolling with that high price.
2: Yeah, definitely. And you know, you, you've you've uh, brought in so many other you know sort of mid to low uh, priced options to where Brown is you know certainly a guy you can squeeze into that lineup and certainly a guy that you'd. If you're making multiple lineups you gotta have at least one with a b in there um moving on though uh for my tight end I like Travis Kelsey a little bit uh he's at six thousand so not not uber expensive um you you like you know his off the offense that he plays in uh definitely favors the tight end uh going against the the jets who uh gave up you know a, a good bit of points to to the bills last week although some of it was a little bit fluky a lot of it you know kind of came later in the game and the Bills weren't able to uh, get into the red zone until very late in the game. But I think that, um, you know, this is a situation where where the Chiefs are a little bit better. Um, So I think Kelsey uh, would be my guy to target uh, going against the Jets. All right. So I I
1: know we're running low on time, but I have to just disagree with you here. I, I, I don't think Kelsey is a good play whatsoever. So just looking at ESPN's fantasy football projected points based off of matchups, the Jets have allowed like one of the fewest amount of points, fantasy points, two tight ends overall, so three point five on average. They've allowed seven catches for eighty six yards. That's it. And we're expecting that uh, you know Alex Smith is supposed to throw a whole bunch over this Jets defense. I'm a little worried. I know the Rotowire, the Rotowire fantasy, uh, the draft emulator or whatever. Dude. Dude, I'm t- you're drawing.
2: taking taking my words right out of my mouth, I man. Just, like our optimizer loves him. I Is know. highest value third third highest projected points for a tight end. I. I Kind of tended to lead with the numbers, and I computer did my research
1: on this, John. I knew what was coming, and I was ready to <laughs> counteract it because I have a better option for you than the six thousand Travis Kelsey. Do you know? I give you a five thousand Dennis Pitta. Ooh. Jaguars have allowed three hundred and thirty yards receiving, twenty six receptions, and a whopping five touchdowns to tight Jeez. ends through two weeks. Two weeks, John. A lot. I think this is more of the same with Dennis Pitta I think he's going to end up getting more receptions I would be absolutely willing to bet that Dennis Pitta ends up scoring more than Travis Kelsey this week and I think for the longevity if you're a season-long owner you need to pick up Pitta and you need to pick him up now
2: yeah I mean I obviously I watch all the Ravens games watched it last week uh, Flacco anytime that that uh, his number one downfield guy wasn't open it was Pitta every single time. That's why, you know, he had the nine catches for, I think, 102 yards, I want to say. Um, you know, Flacco looks pit his way a ton. I think I could. you could realistically see him replicating those numbers in an even more favorable matchup uh, this week against, you know, like you said, that defense that is just a sieve against tight ends.
1: I just want to point out that Austin Safarin Jenkins, who was released as of three hours ago, was 5,300. So we're talking that a now Decre- uh, d- decrepit is what I wanted to use, but released Austin's fair and Jenkins is $300 more than Dennis Pitta going against a bad Jaguars defense. What does that tell you about what we're looking at for Pitta? I, I think that value this is super big value for tight end, and that's how you can afford to pay it for, you know, one or two elite receivers at the very minimum.
2: Exactly. Um, let's see. Defense. Um, I'm going with the Seahawks. You know, it's obviously a little bit chalky because they are the highest priced option. But they're also going against the 49ers and they're also at home. So it's just really hard for me to to say no, uh, especially when, you know, like we've said we we got uh, a pretty soft cap this week. We've been able to to put in some really good players and and still have money left over. So I think, you know, the Seahawks they're just sort of in the 49ers' head. 49ers' offense uh, I think a lot of people were encouraged by how they were able to do it week one and then got a nice reality check last week. Uh, I think we're going to see them struggle heavily on the road against a, a pretty tough Seahawks defense that's very opportunistic. Uh, I think we see some turnovers here. I think we see some sacks. Um, you know, all those things help lead up to some points. And then, obviously, I don't think the 49ers, period, are going to be able to score more than, like, 14 points. Uh, so, you know, that, that's also a points bonus for you on FanDuel. Let's go Seahawks.
1: I don't think there's any option in DFS right now that you any other person besides taking Miami defense. I just think that's going to be a 99%, 100% ownership rate in like every one of your leagues. I don't care what kind of tournament it is. I just they're they're going to be everywhere and I don't blame them. Again, if this is in the rain like it's projected to be, this is going to be a sloppy game. Yep. This is going to be a third string quarterback going against a, a decent Yeah, a third-string rookie quarterback going against a decent pass rush, if nothing else, of the Miami Dolphins. I don't see why anyone would use anyone but the Dolphins. I I just think that's the way to go. And considering they're not even the most expensive defense, more power to you.
2: Right on. Um, I like your kicker pick, uh, but toss out one other option. Uh, Jason Myers of the Jaguars, 4,500. The Jaguars should be at least able to move the ball between the 20s on on the Ravens. I think the Ravens have had a pretty good... Bend but don't break defense uh, to this point in the season, uh, and obviously the the Jags have that ability to to move the ball. So I think Myers should get himself a few opportunities here. So I like his chances at, at hitting value uh, against the Ravens.
1: I uh, yep, I'm with Lambo all the way on this one. We've talked about before, and uh, Chargers they're going to do well this week. I'm willing to rest my case on that.
2: Indeed. Well, uh, for Joe, uh, I'm John McKechnie. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Johnny McKex. Joe, where where can we find you on Twitter? JB Fantasy Sports. All right, great. And that was our Friday uh, Rotowire DFS podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, We'll be back with you next week.